Amen. Crown him with many crowns. They tell me that's the favorite hymn of dentists everywhere. Is that right, Larry? There we go. Back in the spring of 2011, a 16-year-old sophomore at a private school in Seattle spent a week volunteering in a third grade class in a Seattle public school as part of a public service project. And at the end of the week, this young lady, whose name was Jessica, had gotten attached to the children and she wanted to put some candy and some plastic eggs and give them out to the the kids, but she wasn't sure if the teacher would let her do that or not. Jessica says, I went to the teacher to get her approval and she said I could do it as long as I called this treat spring spheres. I couldn't call them Easter eggs. Well, Jessica thought that was silly, but she decided not to question the teacher. She went ahead, she got them ready, she brought them to class. And she says, when I took them out of the bag, the teacher said, oh, look, spring spheres. And all the kids were like, wow, Easter eggs. (laughs) So they knew, she said. But that story is just one little example of the confusion so rampant in our culture these days. Easter eggs and Easter bunnies don't really have a thing at all to do with the resurrection of Christ, but this poor teacher was apparently afraid that someone who wasn't a Christian might feel somehow left out. The underlying message of that, of course, is that Easter is not for everyone. But I'm here this morning to tell you that Easter is indeed for everyone. Everyone, that is, who will put their faith in the risen Christ. The Bible says everyone who believes in him has forgiveness of sins in his name. We're going to read that passage in just a moment. It's found in Acts chapter 10. In the 10th chapter of Acts, the apostle Peter has seen a vision from the Lord. And without going into all the details, the basic message was something that we find in verse 15 of Acts 10. This voice from heaven said to Peter, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Well, a man named Cornelius, a Roman centurion who lived in Caesarea, was made aware in a supernatural way that Peter was in Joppa, and he sent some people to retrieve Peter to come and to speak to Cornelius and his relatives and his friends, the Bible says, close friends, and probably also some Roman soldiers, since Cornelius was a centurion after all. Those hardened, calloused Roman soldiers sitting there along with others that Cornelius knew to hear from Peter. And so that's where we pick up with Peter's message to this group. It starts in verse 34, and I invite you to stand with me as I read God's word for us this morning. The Bible says, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. 
You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Now he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He wasn't seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Thank you. Please take your seats. <clears throat> now this text, as I said, is a sermon preached by Peter to uh, this group of people at Cornelius' place, and the whole sermon is recorded for us in these brief words. We've just read the whole thing. But of course this wasn't the whole sermon. My sermon is not going to be nearly this short. And, and neither was Peter's, for that matter. There's other things I'm sure that he said. But this is the gist of it. You get the idea. There are two things in this sermon that I want to call your attention to in this passage. And the first is the substance of Peter's sermon, what Peter preached. And Peter preached the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. In Verse 36, Peter says, You know the message that God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Now, in that text, peace is a synonym for salvation, for uh, forgiveness of sins that, that brings us an absence of, of guilt and eternal life. Salvation is peace because salvation is being at peace with God because our sins have been atoned for. By Christ. Then Peter summarizes Jesus' ministry in verse 38. He went around doing good and healing those who were sick and broken. And then he turns in verse 39 to the crucifixion. And notice that he says, they killed him, Jesus. He's talking about the Jews in Jerusalem. But that's just another hint that his audience on this day is not Jews. It's Gentiles, through and through, everyone. And then in verse 40 is the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the third day. There is no good news apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible tells us Jesus died for our sins, but he was raised to life for our justification. Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, to take our place on that cross so that our sins could be washed away by his blood, so that we could find forgiveness. But the Bible says he was raised for our justification. What that means is, is that God, in raising Jesus, announces to one and all, to all the universe, that this sacrifice of his son Jesus, once and for all, is sufficient, is enough to buy our salvation, our life, for all eternity. It's his stamp of approval on what Jesus did in going to the cross on our behalf. 
And so the resurrection along with the cross are crucial pieces of the good news of the gospel. Without the resurrection, it's like a three-legged stool with one leg missing. It, It topples, it falls. The resurrection of Jesus is at the center of our faith because it validates the truth of everything Jesus said and did. If Jesus were still in that tomb, our faith would be in vain, just as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15. We would still be in our sins, still lost, separated from God for all eternity. But Jesus is risen, and that's why we celebrate. That's why we rejoice. I've preached that message nearly every Easter for 30 years now. Just one in a long line of preachers to do so, going all the way back to the women at the empty tomb that Jesus sent to preach that message to his disciples. It's the message of the ages. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus lives. And everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness and eternal life. The Bible says, Romans 10 verse 9, if you can with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Believing in your heart. Now there's a difference between professing to believe something and actually believing it. If you believe it, it changes the way you live. It changes your actions. It changes your attitudes. It changes your decisions if you really believe it. I can tell you that I believe the roof of this building is going to fall in on us sometime this morning. But if I don't hurry out the door, you're going to doubt whether my belief is genuine or not. But if I tell you I believe this roof is going to fall in on us sometime this morning and I hightail it for the exits and try to get you to follow me, you're going to think, hey, he really believes that. It affects what I do. Belief in Jesus that God really did raise him from the dead affects what we do and the decisions we make. And everyone who believes receives forgiveness and eternal life. That was the message that Peter preached that day. But the second thing I want to draw your attention to is the audience to whom Peter preached it. Because that's the really revolutionary thing. These were Gentiles, as I said. Gentiles of Cornelius' family, his close friends, the Bible says, but no doubt his co-workers as well, these hardened Roman soldiers who were oppressing the Jews in Palestine at the time. These were people who, by history, were far from God, separated from God. Gentiles, let's look back a little further in verses 27 and 28 and hear what Peter has to say. As he was speaking with Cornelius, it says, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people, all these Gentiles. And he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. No one impure or unclean. 
You see, it's in Acts chapter 10 that Peter learns that Easter, the resurrection, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ is for everyone. No one is excluded from the opportunity to be saved, to put faith in Christ, have their sins forgiven, and be at peace with God. So Peter began his sermon in verse 34 by saying, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. God doesn't play favorites. The world does. The world plays favorites. The world uh, seeks advantage. The world uh, has its own way of doing things based not on merit so much as it is uh, on connections, on influence, on, on heritage. In fact, there's a somewhat humorous story about that, about a Chicago bank that was interested in a young man from Boston in bringing him to their bank to work. And so they wrote to his employer, a Boston investment firm, asking for a reference. And the investment firm was more than happy to give it. They couldn't say enough about him. They said his father was a Cabot, his mother was a Lowell. Further back in his family were Saltonstalls, Peabody's, and others of the finest families in Boston. And so their recommendation was given without hesitation. But then the Chicago bank wrote back and said, what you've told us is of no use to us. It's not really any good because we're not contemplating using the young man for breeding stock. We want him to work for us. <laughs> well, the Boston investment firm was no doubt surprised at the Chicago bank's response because that's not how things in our world usually work. We play favorites. In fact, it's why there's so much dissension in our world. We want to be with those who are like us, and we want others to be like us, and we want to make them like us. We play favorites, and it causes dissension and discord and more and more sin and war and all of the terrible evils of our world. But the Bible says God shows no favoritism. And verse 36 says Jesus is Lord of all. That means Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, male and female, natives and immigrants, them and us, rich and poor, righteous and unrighteous. And everyone who believes in him can be saved. No one is excluded from that. That means Easter is for everyone too, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. No matter what your family name may be, you can be forgiven. Easter is for liars and cheats. Easter is for dopeheads and drunks. Easter is for thieves and adulterers. Easter is for prodigals and prisoners, rebels and revolutionaries, the down, the out, the rejected, the outcast. And Easter is for you if you will believe in the risen one, Jesus if you will respond to God's grace. No one who wants to be in gets left out. Friday evening after our wonderful Good Friday service that we had here at the church, I went home and I, I got to watching a sermon from Alistair Begg uh, about the, the thief on the cross. You know, Jesus was crucified between two thieves and, and one of them railed at him. But the other said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And that was, that was enough belief. That was enough faith for Jesus to say, I say to you, this day you will be with me in paradise. And Alistair Begg said, when I get to heaven, I want to look that guy up. I want to ask him, how did that play out for you? How did that go down? Because he said, I picture him at the gate of heaven and, and the angel there saying, uh, well, you know, um, you weren't a member of any church. You, you, you never got baptized. You didn't, didn't take the Lord's Supper. Uh, what are you doing here? He said, I don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? Well, I don't know. Well, well, I'm going to have to get my supervisor then to check this out. He goes and gets his angel supervisor who comes and says, okay, you, you understand the, the, the doctrine of justification by faith, right? No, I never heard of it in my life. Okay, what about the, the doctrine of scripture, the inspiration, the scripture, the word of God? No, that's, that's news to me. And this goes on for a while and, until finally the, the angel says, are you sure you, you don't know? How you got here? And the man says, I, I don't know. All I know is the man on the middle cross told me I could come. Jesus says, the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. But you must come in faith, in repentance. Believing and trusting that Jesus died for your sins and was raised for your justification. Now that doesn't mean everyone's going to be saved or that there won't be some who are caught by surprise on judgment day. Verse 42 says Jesus has been appointed the judge of the living and the dead. So there will be some who think that they're in and discover to their shock and dismay that they are not. Don't think that there's some special pass for special sinners. You see, that's the other side of God's impartiality. Just because you're you, don't think that you're going to escape eternal punishment by any means apart from the grace of God in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. God does not show favoritism in that either. Shaquille O'Neal is a famous basketball player, a name you've probably heard, no doubt. And as a celebrity, like other celebrities, used to getting into places that other people can't get into and seeing people that other people can't get access to and whatnot. Back in the summer of 2009, after Barack Obama had become president, Shaquille was in Washington, D.C., July the 26th, as a matter of fact, and he knew that the president liked basketball, and because he's a famous guy, he thought that he could go up and get in the gate of the White House to see the president without an appointment. But he was wrong. <laughs> he was turned away at the gate of the White House. He couldn't understand it. Later that day, he tweeted, the White House wouldn't let me in. Why? He couldn't understand it. Well, unless Shaq puts his faith in the risen Christ, the very same thing is going to happen to him at the gate of heaven one day. As Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me. But anyone who does put their faith in Jesus Christ, no matter who they are, has the gates of heaven and eternity thrown open wide for them. Easter 
is for everyone who has sense enough to recognize what it means and to celebrate it. The Bible says in verse 43, everyone who believes in Christ has forgiveness in his name. Do you believe in him this Easter Sunday? Is your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you on the cross and what God has done in raising him from the dead, demonstrating that he can give you eternal life as well? Maybe you're one of those who would say, well, Pastor, if I could see the risen Christ, I could believe. The apostles, uh, like Peter says, he, he got to see Christ, be a witness, ate and drank with him. If I could just see Christ... Somehow I could believe. Well, fair enough. I'll tell you one last story, and then I'll be finished. Tom Rainer, in one of his books, tells about a woman named Gloria who was despondent and ready to take her own life. Years of drug abuse and failed relationships and multiple rejections had just pushed her to the edge. They had taken their toll, and so... She gathered up all of the prescription medications that she had. She saved up others in order to be able to take her life. In order to keep the neighbors from hearing anything unusual, she turned on the television and turned the volume up. And It just so happened that Billy Graham was preaching in a crusade on TV. And she saw at the bottom of the screen, it said, if you need help, call this number. And so she thought, what have I got to lose? She called the number before she took any pills. And the counselor on the other end of the line recognized pretty quickly what a desperate circumstance that Gloria was in, what a serious situation it was. And so she made arrangements to connect Gloria with a Wesleyan church there in her area, in her neighborhood. Well, that was Saturday night, so Gloria decided she would get up and go to church that next morning and see what it was all about, see if there was anything to this. She met the pastor before the service. She told the pastor, uh, Billy Graham sent me, and he had. Well, the pastor warmly received her. The congregation did as well. She connected there over a, a short period of time. She came to the point to give her heart and life to Jesus Christ to be saved. And her testimony afterward, her testimony later was this. She said, Billy Graham saved me from killing myself, but my church showed me how to be saved from my sins. The love of the people was incredible. I never knew someone as dirty as me could ever receive love again. The people accepted me just as I am. I have seen Jesus. He is in the faces of all these people who love me. So let me tell you this morning, you can see Jesus right here at Central Baptist Church. I know that's true because I have seen Jesus right here at Central Baptist Church. In the faces of those God has brought into this place and connected to him. You can see Jesus, and you can believe, and you can be saved, because Easter is for everyone, even sinners like us. 
Pray with me. God, how grateful we are for the salvation you've extended to us in your son, Jesus Christ. The one who went to the cross to bleed out his life for our sins. And the one who rose from the dead on that third day in demonstration of the effectiveness of that sacrifice to take away the sins of all who would come to faith in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you might move in our hearts here this morning, that you might strengthen our faith, our belief, our trust in you. And if someone is here this morning who hasn't yet placed their faith in you, I pray you would call to that one, move them this day, to come into your kingdom, to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. This day is about life. God, bring life into this place today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have come this morning with a friend or a relative. It's Easter Sunday, after all. Maybe you were concerned that... Uh, if you came into this place, the roof would fall in. <laughs> it's been so long. Maybe you think, you know, there's no way that God could accept me. I've done too much. I've strayed too far. My sins are too awful, too grievous, too black to ever be accepted by God. Let me tell you, Easter especially is for you. That's what Peter was telling these Gentiles. Who knows what some of those Roman soldiers may have done. But yet, Peter said, you, by faith, can be at peace with God because of his son Jesus, risen from the dead. I invite you this morning to put your faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to sing, Because He Lives.